Hello and welcome to episode 97 of the Startcast, Press Start Australia's weekly video game discussion podcast. I'm your host, Ian Roxburgh, and I'm joined today by my fellow gamers, Stephen. Hey there. And James. What up? It has been so long since we've had you guys on the podcast. This is very, very exciting indeed. It's nice to shake things up every so often. Uh, how, yes. we, how are we doing, guys? How's, how's life been? Busy. Busy? I have you. Yes. But you've been busy playing games uh, based on the yeah, amount of reviews busy. you regularly publish. Yeah, that, that, that's definitely why I'm busy. Um, what, what have you been playing then, James? Oh, God. Um, right now, um, I'm playing the all-time classic Voodoo Vince Remastered. Oh, right. <laughs> um, wow. It's one of those games that, you know, I'm sure everybody was like, oh, why haven't they remastered Voodoo Vince? <laughs> and then... Tens of thousands of people like, I don't know, they should, and then Microsoft did it, you know. Um, but it's it's okay. Um, it's just, it could be better. It's very old feeling. And okay. Yeah, it's interesting, like, it, like, Ukulele just came out, and that was a little bit lukewarm reception, and mm. this is kind of the same thing, like, this kind of style of game was possibly left better in the past. Um, and I also smashed Persona pretty hard. Yeah, uh, right. Worked, I worked out, me and Stephen worked out that, oh, well, I worked out, I guess, and told Stephen that I've done, <laughs> I've done like, nine nine hours a day on average I was doing. Uh, Holy crap. Wow. Uh, which was not good, which was good. Like, it, the game, I just wanted to keep playing it, you know? But so so the, the game was good, but playing it nine hours a day, not so much. It takes its toll on your brain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for sure. Like, you, you're like, the first few days, you're like, yeah, I can do this. And then, like, you realise... When you're on the seventh day and you have to go to work and you can't look properly, it's like, maybe I should stop playing games so much. But it's just a really good game. Um, yeah, cool. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm glad you say that, because I was, I was going to ask you, because Persona 5 has been one of these games I've been considering about getting it, but honestly, like the time is a consideration. I just don't really feel like I can slot it into my schedule at the moment and really sort of delve yeah. into it as deep as I would like. Um, but you have obviously posted your review of Persona 5. Um, mm-hmm. So while we got you and the game's still sort of fresh out, it'd be nice to sort of hear your, your thoughts on the game in general. Um, okay. What, what did you review it and, and what were the sort of main reasons behind how what score you gave it, I guess? Okay, so basically, like, like as I said in my review, this is my first Persona game ever. All right, I okay. never played the previous ones. I used to get annoyed that my friends wouldn't play games with me because they were playing other Persona games. Hey there. So I didn't really like the series. Mm. <laughs> from, and then uh, I this one got did really well because obviously like we got our copy a little bit late, so I I didn't get to play it until the reviews had hit. You know, so yeah, I was like, this has done really well. Maybe I will try it. Maybe it's good, and. Yeah, like, I just, it's it's so, like, you know, people go on about how turn-based games are kind of dead, or how they're slow, well, not how mm. they're dead, but, you know, they're not, they feel aged and stuff, but I just feel like this just, like, breathes life, I guess, into the genre, and it's just so, like, I know I say, said this in my review, like, it's just effortlessly stylish, like, it's, there's never a moment, even, like, something as boring as a buy-sell menu in a game, in, like, a shop, is, like, mm. stylized to hell and back. And I know that sounds really superficial because, like, I've never been a graphics person, but, like, it just helps sell this, like, world they've created. Mm. Um, and just the way that the end, the story plays out, obviously I'm not going to talk about it because no one's probably finished it to the extent that I have. Um, <laughs> it's just really an interesting story. Um, very, like, over-the-top and melodramatic, uh, which can be expected, I guess, for a game that's very, like, you know, anime-tinged. 
Mm. Uh, but really good. I don't know. It's it just like pulls you in, you know. And the dungeons are amazing. Like the outside of dungeon stuff, which if people don't know, like it's basically like a high school life simulator, I guess. Uh, just pulls you in, and it's just a really. I don't know how else to describe it. Like immersive, mm. I no, guess. I, like, yeah, like I think that's like the total experience I had playing uh, Persona 4 Golden on my Vita. Um, granted, I, I didn't get far through to it because again, like time came an issue. There was some other game that came along that I wanted to play or whatever. Um, but from what I did play it, I was like really immersed in the sort of the characters and the story that they were embarking on and the mystery of the game. Um, from what I've heard of Persona 5, that there is kind of a good mystery that surrounds it too. Um, and I'm not usually, I'm not a big JRPG guy, uh, let alone a big turn based guy um but uh i felt like the turn base kind of worked for it because you're managing so much you're like you're managing your party um you've got like so much on the go at once that having the sort of strategic element that sort of comes in hand in hand with turn-based combat worked quite well for the game um mm-hmm. what about yourself steven have you been playing any persona 5 or you've been dabbling in something else um basically persona 5 is all i've been playing uh not to the same extent as james unfortunately I, as much as i would like to but like i'm about you had to 30 like hours and go to roughly. the bathroom and stuff as well right yeah basically I did all those things <laughs> <laughs> but um i don't know it's just weird like i'm i'm struggling to fit it into real life and then it, I know when I'm playing the game, I'm doing a real life simulator where I'm struggling to fit in like study <laughs> and going into dungeons and stuff. And it's just a weird sort of representation of my life in a video game. Um, mm. But yeah, I'm pretty familiar because I've you know, played through, finished uh, Persona 4 Golden a couple of times and that sure did take a long time. Um, but yeah, I sort of was really looking forward to it. And James is totally right, like in how he says that there's always, it's always interesting to look at, even like a post, you know, post battle screen, it will just be animated so amazingly that you just kind of want to look at it every time. You never like skip, skip, whatever. It's just really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess as well in, with James talking about how it's sort of easy to keep playing. There's always something to do next, sort of, you know, you'll go to bed in the day, in the game and the next day there'll be, you know, five or six different things you could choose to do. You never feel bored and you never feel like you're stuck doing the same thing over and over. There's always heaps of, op- uh, heaps of options. So, yeah. And even, it- even if, like, I find, even if that stuff is kind of mundane stuff, it fills a meter of some sort, like yeah. your social stat <laughs> or like your confident confidant or confident ranking and like it's, I don't know, that's addictive as well, like it's and it's just so exciting because with the like the romance or social link system that they used to call it, um, they just unlock so many cool things in the battles and stuff so you really really try to do as much of those as you can in the time that you've got. Mm. Yeah, and it's really good how they sort of link together the whole, you know, what was social link now confidant system, you get, you sort of get to know characters as you spend more time with them and see their sort of overall story. And in doing so, say if they're a character that's in your, uh, like, dungeon party, they might unlock new abilities for them to do once you become sort of closer as people. And, yeah, just sort of both sides of the game lead into each other, and it's really cool. Yeah, that's what I remember about Persona 4 as well. Like, often doing one activity can have sort of unexpected rewards. Like, I remember sort of having, like, a daycare job, and uh, and in doing that, I felt like I was sort of fulfilling that job that I need to do and like, oh, I quickly go there and tick that box before I can then move on to this next activity or whatever. But mm. then like out of a, out of nowhere, I've developed this social link with my boss and it's like, oh, okay, where's where's this going? I, I don't know, but 
it does have that sort of unexpected avenues and and even when you think that something is going down a certain route or a certain direction you're achieving it for a certain purpose it can have you're right like unexpected sort of rewards and and significance elsewhere um it's the sign of a well-designed game i think perhaps I think one i'm gonna one, have to uh, pick up and have the time yeah one last thing i want to mention especially for you you and because you're mm. sort of somewhat familiar with four um sort of that game had it pretty much every dungeon was randomly generated or it was never like a fully designed just sort of just you know went on a floor climbed up climbed yeah. up until he got to the boss yeah. this one all of the main dungeons or at least the ones that i've found so far they're all sort of actually designed dungeons they, they all have the same yeah, layout the whole yeah Ooh. every time you go in so that it's like there are some randomly generated ones as sort of side missions but yeah the main ones seem a little bit more cohesively designed Okay, all right. Which means, well, like, they have they have a theme. Like, the the, the treasure chests all are modelled differently depending on which level you're in. The enemies look different, you know? And they can um, actually be puzzles. Yeah, there's puzzles. There is puzzles. Like, I don't know how far Steven is, but there's puzzles in some of the later ones. Okay. Um, which is nuts, because, like, <laughs> the dungeons are so interesting to me. And then, apparently, like, as Steven was saying, Persona 3 and 4, it was all randomised. I just could not imagine that. Yeah, yeah. As, like, a main game, like, I think that's what's really helped, too. Because I think... I remember why I wanted to play 3 a long time ago. But then I read... Because I hate procedurally generated stuff. Like, I've never really... I don't believe that it can be done really that well. Um, if you want to give me an example of when it has been, I'd be happy to. But <laughs> I just don't feel like it works that well. Whereas Persona 5, like, because all the dungeons are designed with, like, a set storyline and stuff. Like, these little vignettes of character story like it's just really well it's just amazing like really good cool well this is exactly what i wanted i wanted you guys to be able to sell me on the game i was kind of a little on the fence about it more leaning towards the favorable side but you guys have, have definitely sold it for me now um perhaps when i put zelda down i'll uh i'll go and play some more of that um we are going to be talking about some more of our favorite games um as well as star wars battlefront today on today's show and the snes classic mini that sort of got some rumors circulating about it but let's start with our favorite games of the quarter so far uh this is something i like to do on the podcast we've done this in previous years where we basically sort of like check in uh, sort of every three months throughout the year as to what sort of what sort of games are sort of sitting on on our game of the year shortlists already um obviously got a whole lot of year ahead of us um but up to this point interested to see what you guys have found that stood out to you uh so Stephen, perhaps let's start with you do you have some sort of contenders for game of the year already do you think some of your favorite games so far I think, yeah, the two that come to mind, at least in the first quarter, aside from Persona 5, which we've already talked about at length, um, mm. like Resident Evil 7 and uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild, like Zelda seems kind of obvious, everyone's in love with it, but I think Resident mm. Evil surprised me in how it basically went back to what Resident Evil always has been, but in a new sort of 2017 perspective and like it understands how games have evolved since then but still is able to evoke the same feelings and the same sort of kind of like so the same mechanics that the earlier games had but Mm. and yeah it sort of made it the most enjoyable Resident Evil game I've played in a very long time did you play any of it in VR as well? No, I'm, yeah, don't no, have okay. PSVR. I kind of wish I'm I did sometimes. I'm wondering how that contributes to the experience at all, like if it, if it is really that dramatic a, a difference. There were some moments that I thought, gosh, this would be incredible in VR, just, you know, stuff kind of like a 3D movie, but like, you know, coming in, you know, hitting you in the face or you know, a knife being held to your eyes. I'd be like, oh, gosh, this would be just maybe too much, maybe just a bit more incredible in VR. I know James mm. played it in VR. Oh, did you, James? Yes. Um, I played the whole thing in VR. Big oh, wow. End. 
Um, wow. Because I didn't want to do it the second time around without VR, because I feel like then you know what's coming. It's not as, it's not as impactful. Mm. Uh, Resident Evil 7 was probably one of the two games I would pick as well from my favourite games this year. Right. Uh, um, VR just, like, takes... <laughs> it's really scary how, like, it just takes everything... Like, Resident Evil 7 is already quite a creepy game, uh, but because when you play in VR, it kind of scales everything differently to what if you were playing it normally. Mm. So y- your character feels more like they're in that space, which is really, it's hard to explain without seeing it. But whereas if you play it on a TV, you have a wider field of view, so it doesn't feel as realistic. Mm-hmm. Whereas in VR, like you feel like you're there because like the roof is closer to your head. Like it, it's hard to explain, but, um, that just makes it so you just, feel, you do, you really feel like you're there. Like, and the coolest thing is, is that, when you're, if you're crouching, you can like, m- if you move just your head to the right. I'm trying, I'm doing it now, but no one can see me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you can actually, you know, you almost get a comp- like an advantage because you can actually peek around things without being seen, almost. Mm. Uh, which is really like just a really cool thing. Um, I love the fact that you know the way that it's been designed, vi- like from a graphic or visual perspective, is that so that you can like peek through you know, the slats in a in a wooden house or something to see stuff. Uh, the detail is all there, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Um, yeah. I just... Yeah, it's it's just a real... Like, it is, like, as Stephen said, like, I just feel like it's a really solid return to form. It's not... I don't think it's, like, you know, 100% like a classic Resident Evil game, but I don't think we ever will get that ever again. Yeah. Uh, but I think that this is, like, you know, a 70-slash-30 like division between horror tension Resident Evil and like full on action Resident Evil because towards the end it does get pretty actiony yes <laughs> mm. yeah like a little bit dumb actiony almost um which is fine like i feel like that for pacing purposes that makes sense mm. uh but overall just a really solid game um it's not it's just, i just love games that they're not afraid to have nothing happen for like a yes. one two hours <laughs> you know like they're happy to just let you like walk through this mansion explore it, get scared of the noises that are coming from the basement or the singing old lady <laughs> hall. Like great. It's it just it's just happy to build up the tension and stuff. It's not like Resident Evil Six where, you know, there were gas cloud filled missiles getting launched at three <laughs> different countries at the same time. Yeah. And, you know, like as much as I liked Six, like I think Six is very like harshly judged, but I just think like seven is, you know, I'm happy to see the series go this way now. Mm-hmm. As a fan, like I, and like to clarify, like I've Resident Evil is the like my series. Like people who know me know me because of that. You know, like that's my my original username was like Nemesis, which is the third game. So right, yeah. <clears throat> okay, well, I'm, t- I'm glad that you enjoyed it so much. If you're that 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 much of a fan, then I'm I'm glad. I just that hope the next one. I really hope the next one's VR as well. Like I know that's selfish because not everyone has a VR thing, but like I just feel like it adds so much to the experience. Mm. Maybe I I'll think have it was one generally a pretty good reaction to it. I I want to get Steven in VR now. Have you played a- anything VR? Um, I've played about fifteen minutes of Team Fortress Two at a PAX like four oh, years ago. So yeah, yeah that was like I an think old I did that Oculus same demo. Well. It was like on the yeah the first dev kit for like the Oculus One. I think before it, it was wasn't all too HD. Good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. That that sounds like fun. We should definitely do that, Stephen. Um, what so what was the second game then, James? You mentioned that Resident Evil was one uh, of two. Yeah. So Nia Automata or Automata. Uh huh. Um, just a like a really weird, kooky, uh, out there game with like a nuts over the top story that you know it's that is 
it like you have to play the game like five times basically to get the full story. Right. And that sounds shit and repetitive, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> like little bits change, and that's what happened in the first. I don't know if anyone here played the first Nier. Um, it was no. it was done the same way, but probably less elegantly, I would say. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this one, you know, it's this weird story, this post-apocalyptic story about like humankind versus robots and like what it means to be a human and stuff like that. It's it's bizarrely philosophical, but at the same time, it's just like you can't you can't tell a story that you tell in Nia in a movie or in like a book. Do you know? Like it's like perfectly made for that type of medium. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah, no, I get you. I, I like, especially like even, that as well when you get a narrative that feels like it's right at home in a video game. Um, cause, uh, and even, like, if you ever watch the guy who made it, his, I think Yoko Taro is his name, he's just nuts, <laughs> but it's so good. <laughs> like, he's, he's just, he does, he's like, oh, Square Enix probably won't market this, so it will flop, so can we please prove to them that my game is good? And it's just like, he's just so out there with his appears just ridiculously eccentric um, I the, DL- the DLC for Nia which just got announced has you fighting the CEO of Square Enix in a coliseum like that's that's <laughs> the kind of thing it is and it sounds so dumb but it's the most fun one of the funnest games I've played alright okay that's that's another one that I must admit slipped sort of under my radar a little bit but I know there was a lot of buzz surrounding a lot of people that were very happy with how the game was upon release um, another one of those was Nia have either of you guys played Nia at all? Yeah, I did play Neo. Like Neo was would be like an honorable mention for me. Yeah, okay. Uh, I like I loved it. Uh I don't like Dark Souls and Bloodborne that much, but I really liked Neo for some reason. Right. Um, but I don't know, at the same time it was just so similar to those games, that's why I decided not to include it of from the other two, you know. Mm. Uh yeah, good. I just really, it makes me. I don't know if like, you guys have play, ever played Onimusha, which is like a PS2 game with samurais and stuff. It just reminded me of that. Right. And I miss those games so much. Mm. Um, well, yeah. I, I, I'm definitely going to give some lip service to uh, Breath of the Wild, I think. Um, it's obviously in the forefront of people's mind, I think, already. Um, yes. But I, I've only just started playing it in the last week or so. I had the opportunity to, to spend some, some quality time with it. Um, and I got to admit, like. Switch? Uh, on the Switch. Um, right. And uh, I was a little apprehensive about it first because I, I knew there was a lot of people excited about it. And whilst people were getting excited about it, I was still playing Horizon, which is uh, game number two for me. Um, but uh, I, I kind of, I guess I sort of dismissed a lot of the excitement to be, well, it's just kind of doing what open games, open world games have been doing for years now. But because it's a Zelda game, um, there's that much more hype surrounding it. Um, but that's that's totally wrong. Like, this is, this is a special game. Um, I think what's been like most exciting for me has just been like the environmental puzzle solving. Um, you sort of like come across something as simple as like a ravine or a river that you have to cross, and the tools that you need to get across there are just sort of littered around you. But it doesn't really tell you what to do. Like it'd be, you know, there's an axe on the ground that you can pick up and then use to like chop a tree down so that then creates a bridge across the ravine or you can find a leaf that like fans the sails of a boat and lets you cross the river um and it doesn't sound like much but it is like really clever sort of game and world design to put those sort of pieces of the puzzle there at the hands of the player and allow them to put it all together themselves um so that's 
been just a really sort of rewarding experience for me, and I've and I've been really enjoying that. Uh, although I find like the weapon degradation just annoying as hell because I like getting <laughs> attached to my weapons, and for me to sort of develop a reputation for them only to break on me is soul destroying. Um, but another game that I've also been really enjoying in very much the same sort of vein is uh, is Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, I don't know if you guys have played much of Horizon at all. <clears throat> um, I'm 20 yeah, hours in. It's the game that I'm playing right now. Okay, all right. So I'm I'm probably about 30 hours in, maybe a little more than that. Um, but uh, I've been just really impressed with the story that that tells, the world it creates. I really didn't expect there to be as deep a narrative and as deep as a lore um, as there is, but it's clear that like a lot of heart and emotion has been pulled put into that. Um, I don't think it has like nearly as good a sort of environmental sort of puzzle solving and stuff as I mentioned that Zelda has. Um, it is much more sort of traditional i guess an open world in that way um, yeah i but, wish uh, like i wish i played it first before zelda yeah um, because I, I mean like i was so down on this game like i was like it's gonna be shit and, like they showed you all the best bits in the demos and like anyone who's friends with me would know knows how much i was like, down on it and i was mm. like zelda would be better um and even though i love the climbing and the sailcloth and all that stuff in zelda like i'm mm. having played that and then going to Horizon, where you can't even climb up a wall that's, like, you know, pretty short. Like, it's so yeah. jarring now. Like, I feel like Zelda's almost set a standard mm. um, in terms of, like, you know, climbing and traversal and stuff. Um, sometimes I have to resort to, like, the Skyrim method, where you just keep jumping until you can somehow get onto mm. the geometry of the, you know, level and get over a hill or something. But, yeah... Yeah, like that being said, though, I, I, you're totally right. I, I agree with you on all those points. But I think like Horizon is is just like a touch more sort of polished experience. Um, the controls just feel evidently a lot smoother. Like that could well be a technical uh, sort of difference, you know. Um, I think but, yeah, uh, like from a combat perspective. The combat perspective, yeah, specifically I've, like I do feel like Horizon is better. Like, yeah, yeah, it's just that. like it, there's just a bit more. Um, I feel like Zelda is pretty much sort of the same sort of combat as it has been for a while now. Um, and uh, But Horizon has that sort of fast-paced, the edgier seat sort of combat. Um, I feel and like it's different. just a lot more involved. Um, yeah. You know, on the whole, like, don't get me wrong, like Zelda has those moments. Um, but uh, what I really particularly like about Horizon is just, like, the, the breadth of the enemy design. Like, all the different types of robots that you kind of come across in that world are all really unique and demand very different ways to approach them. Um, so I appreciate that quite a, quite a deal. Uh, no honorable mention for Mass Effect, though, James? Well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to throw that out there. I wasn't sure if people were going to be going, oh, no one's going to mention Mass Effect. But uh, I think it's nah, probably... No, Mass like Effect pretty... was good too, but like I preferred Resident Evil and Nia <laughs> yeah. over those two games. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, loved Ma I, I still stand by my Mass Effect score. Um, it probably applies more now that they've patched it. Yeah. But like, like I said, you know, like I said, everyone, I didn't have the issues that everyone had, which is really fortunate for me. So I, you know, I, I mentioned there were issues, but not that, that I didn't have any. Mm. Um, but I just think Mass Effect Andromeda is just, the combat is just the mild, like, I feel like it's so good that if you go back to three now, it would be hard to play. Mm. And just the mobility and stuff, you just got, it's just a better playing game, I feel. Um, Story-wise, you know, that's always going to be a subjective thing. I still like the story. Yeah. I don't know. Mm. It's hard. It's so hard because, you know, Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3 are games that built up their characters and their story over how many years? Like, five, six years, possibly. Mm -hmm. Whereas Andromeda is all these new characters. 
And it's of course it's going to be hard to, you know, love those characters as much as the ones that you've known for that long. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But maybe so, by the time we get Andromeda 2, 3... Um, if we get, have. yeah. Yeah, if, yeah. <laughs> Although it, well, it sold very well, like, regardless, so I'm sure Yeah, and I feel <laughs> like, despite the sort of initial concerns around the game, um, both from consumers and, and critics alike, but uh, the, the dust has kind of settled now and like, there's been a couple of patches out, I feel like a lot of people are just playing and enjoying the game now. There's not, like, so much hate being thrown around. Yeah. Um, so it's going like, to be interesting to see what that comes down at the end of the year, I guess. I don't know, like, this frustrates, like, me and I think Steven sometimes is when people are like, oh, it doesn't look as good as Uncharted. And I'm like, well, a game that's, you know, of this scale and breadth is never going to look as good as a game. Yeah, as and te- nor does Breath of know? the Wild, but hey, it's yeah, it's an still like, an incredible game. <clears throat> yeah, I yeah. agree. But yeah, Anyhow. I liked Mass Effect as well, but... <laughs> The other, well, the other two games, which is better. Where do you guys come on down on, on Battlefront, then? Because we had some exciting Battlefront uh, announcements at, at Star Wars Celebration. Um, it's a shame we couldn't have had Shannon on. He was he was there, uh, and I'd love to hear what his story is about being surrounded by Star Wars nerds for Easter weekend. Um, he loves Star Wars so he much. He just loves, <laughs> loves Star Wars so much. Such Why a Star Wars fan. Why him? Um, but uh, they obviously <laughs> did announce Battlefront 2. Um, we'd had that previously leaked trailer... Uh, but they showed it off in full and answered a bunch of questions about the game, uh, and including when going into a bit of detail about the story. Uh, you are going to be playing as uh, an emperor, uh, as a as like an empire stormtrooper, sort of an elite kind of squadron leader. Um, I'm forgetting her name. Iden is that her name? Um, yeah, I think that's. I've I, I haven't actually seen the trailer. I just wrote all the stuff, and <laughs> I think it's Iden, but I'm not sure if it's Iden or Iden. Versio. Yeah. Yes, that sounds right. Yeah. Um, what do you guys make of that? Like, what do you guys make of the now being the, a single-player campaign? Is that a welcome sort of addition to it? And uh, what do you make of playing as the Empire? Does that excite you? I feel like this character is already more interesting than Jin Erso, like, which is probably, you know, I don't know, controversial. But, yeah, um, I, I don't know if I agree with that, but go on, go on. Wait, let's <laughs> see where you take this. Okay. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I, my, my issue... My issue with Star Wars has yeah. been... Okay, this isn't my issue with Star Wars. Like, I still love Star Wars, but I do feel like that with Star Wars, they've always portrayed it as, like, you know, good is bad, bad is good. And, like, mm. that's it. Black and white, nothing. Um, I feel like with this game, and the way that they talk about Iden or Eden, or whatever her name is, is, like, she thinks that what she's doing is, like, the right thing, you know? She is the hero, I guess, that in the Empire. Like, you can have a, a villain... Everyone who, someone who everybody thinks is a villain who can also be, like, a hero amongst their people, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I mean, obviously, like, we haven't seen too much about her, so maybe I am a bit premature in saying what I've said. Because um, I did think... Yeah, I don't know. I just yeah, don't think... Yeah, I think that's where, like, that's where my of difference comes in. Like, when, at this stage of introduction, I was a lot more interested in... Uh, I guess, um, in Generoso's sort of story than I am hers. Um, but you're right. Like, I think, like, the premise is set up quite nicely. The fact that, you know, I think I think um, you might know this, Stephen, and, and James, because you guys were, were really delving deeper into the, the story that was coming out here. Um, but, like, her, her uh, mother was, like, a propaganda artist for the Empire, right? And her father was, I think, maybe a soldier as well. So she's, it, that kind of legacy is kind of steeped in her. Um, so I'm going to be interested to see how those, like, character dynamics play out. And if she does kind of blur the line between light and dark. Um, that's a very good point, James. I'm, I'm keen to see how they how they play around with that. Uh, Stephen, is this something you're excited about as well? Yeah, I think the whole time I was playing Battlefront, I was thinking, gosh, it would be really amazing for there to be a new sort of single-player Jedi Knight-style game in this engine that could be so incredible. And 
this might well be exactly what I want. Like, mm. I, I have a slight worry that, I know, sometimes games that are multiplayer-focused are like, oh, we have a campaign now. Sometimes they, I don't know, err on being training grounds for the for the multiplayer. It doesn't look like that's going to be the case here because they're you know, making a fairly big effort into making the character an interesting person and you know, setting up the... Ooh, Separate teams the working on it as well. Yeah, which definitely yeah. helps. Um, and the, mo- the team who's doing the... You know, the, like Amy Hennig, who wrote the Uncharted game, she's making her own. She's working on a game with Visceral, Visceral, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she, they're working also with another team called, you know, Motive. Who, who I think they're called Motive. They're yeah. like a new studio who basically does little bits of pieces with for everyone. But that's run by Jade Raymond, who did the Assassin's Creed, the good Assassin's Creed games. Mm-hmm. And um, I just think that you, they might be even setting up some kind of continuity and stuff there, which I think is really cool. Oh, um, right, okay. So, yeah, just yeah. to clarify that, so it's EA Motive that are doing the campaign single-player uh, for Battlefront. Um, they're working they're, largely on it, yeah. Right, Dice so they're working in sort of cahoots <laughs> with Amy Hennig and Visceral who are doing their own, own yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, like, who knows? That, like, from what I understand, like, they're consulting with Motive to get ideas in terms of storytelling and stuff. Right. Um, but this one's actually being written by the guy who wrote Spec Ops and Resident Evil 7. Yes, I um, had heard that, and that, that yeah. really excites me, yeah. Because the Resi 7 story was quite good. And, mm. and um, Spec Ops Spec Align Ops. story was incredible as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah look, look. <laughs> Is that something we disagree on there as well? <laughs> no, we, we, can, we don't need... That's not part of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say, everything you've said just now basically gets rid of any concerns I had then. Like, yeah, if they're putting this much effort into the single-player component of it, then it is exactly what I've wanted out of Battlefront 1. So, yeah, count me I think what most excites me about Battlefront 2 is that, like, just the people that are best for the job seem to be doing what they ought to be doing. Like, DICE are, are system makers. They are, like, multiplayer makers. That's what they specialize in do. So, they're considering that. And then, like, we've got this uh, sort of, like, you know, this this team of brand spanking new sort of story writers that we've kind of pulled together a whole bunch of exciting people and formed this new studio. They're going to work on that with, like, consulta- uh, with through consulting with... Ser- uh, with video game veterans, um, and then you've also got Citroen as well doing like the the vehicular stuff, uh, the sort of space combat too. Um, they obviously like worked on the Burnout games of the past and and Need for Speed more recently as well. Uh, so I just feel like they're getting like the right people for the job and like putting them where they sort of belong and and uh, making sure they have the best sort of complete team working on it. That that really excites me too. I do like. I feel like they like. It's so easy for people to just announce a new sequel, be completely tone deaf to everything that you know people want and stuff mm. but I feel like with Battlefront 2 everything that's been announced has been almost to like completely like allay any concerns that you might have had with the first game like Heroes of Villains were shit in the first game the way that they worked as like temporary pickups now they're like more like Battlefield 1 where you've got like the skills and stuff mm. um, and they can be developed and then you know Criterion are working on the vehicles which you know the vehicles in Battlefront 1 were okay but they could be way better and you know they, the burnout people, yeah, like you said, you know, mm. you can't go wrong. Yeah, um, and, and then it's, a campaign. It's just like fan service as well, like, and just listening to the community, like, based on their criticisms of the previous game, like, no single player, all right? We got it. No space battles, all right? We're gonna add those too. And they've even gone so far to say there's not gonna be any season pass. Um, yeah, they're gonna add like, like a deeper progression system, which was my like core complaint with the the first Battlefront game. Um, it, it's it's really exciting. Like basically everything they've said so far has been we're fixing like a previous mistake with that last game. And I know that nobody really... Li- I feel like people probably aren't as excited for this as I am, but prequel content is really a big thing for me. Oh, like, as dude. much as the I've as been waiting the to say that. 
<laughs> as much as the movies were like shit kind of like I don't care I don't mind them but they were shit um, like I just feel like all of those locations weapons races like all of that stuff is just so ripe to be used in a Battlefront game which they were you know in previous ones yeah um, so Stephen why it. are you uh, so excited about the prequels um, then like, I don't know I've just always Jar Jar. the um yeah well yes totally Jar Jar <laughs> but like I don't know I do similar to what James was saying the the battles and environments that happened like they were the, weirdly enough, they were the Star Wars films that I kind of grew up with and I played all the games that were coming out around mm. that time and, I don't know, I battled through the really horrible Star Wars Episode One game on PS1 just because I was that so was into best. it. That was like Mass Effect 4, Mass Effect. The branching dialogue options and stuff. Like, yeah. You know? But, like, legitimately, I can't wait to fly around in a Naboo Starfighter. Like, those things are really cool. I like them, and I'm just happy that they're not being completely ignored. Like, I can get why, it, you know, they probably wanted to avoid it for the first Battlefront, or this first Battlefront. Like, that's confusing. Because, um, like, they want to, you know, yeah. make sure they you know, stick with the stuff that is well-known and that people are definitely going to enjoy. But I'm super happy they're expanding into the prequel stuff. I'm just yeah. keen. No, to, I, like, I for the, like, Jurassic like, Cars and like, stuff. I, I yeah I totally agree. Like I, I'm like you. I sort of grew up with the preschool, the preschool, the the prequel <laughs> trilogy. Um, it maybe it was for preschoolers, but that's beyond maybe. the point. Um, but like you know, I, I I saw episode one that came out, and then my parents were like, all right, well, there's you know all these other films that you can go and watch. Why they're better than that shit show that we just watched. So let's do those. <laughs> uh, and then like obviously two and three when they sort of came out as well. Um, and I think like th- with the prequels, as a sum of all their parts, uh, they're not so great. But if you kind of, like, extract certain things, there are some really cool moments. Like, uh, Darth Maul is still one of my favourite uh, characters out of the entire saga. Um, and I'm stoked to see him just kind of, like, plastered all over the, the marketing so far of the game. Yeah, so, it's like, remember when you used to have him on Pepsi cans when we were young yes. and stuff? Like, <laughs> I've still got my, my Pokemon trading card folder is in my cupboard, and it's, like, a Darth Maul folder. Like, uh-huh. it's the most <laughs> early 2000s thing I could ever own. Like... <laughs> So, it sounds like we're all pretty excited about Star Wars Battlefront 2 then. I'm, I'm very happy to hear that. Uh, are you guys excited about the SNES Classic Mini rumours that are circulating at the moment? Hmm. Um, yes and no. Oh, what a turn. Okay. Uh, why yes um, and no then, Stephen? Let's, let's dig um, into this. Well, I'm excited because, I don't know, I like my NES Mini. It's, it's a cool little collector's-y thing. But the main reason I'm not as excited about it is I would just prefer to play... I found the same thing after I got the NES Mini. I just would prefer to play them on the virtual console. Like, I think Mm. my favourite part of the NES Mini was the NES controller that came with it because you can use that with the Wii and... Or Wii and Wii U. Um, But, yeah, I would just really like to... Be able to add the, the Switch and if the Switch gets virtual console eventually, it'll have sort of more range of games you can put on there you can choose the ones you want you're not sort of stuck with the however many that they choose to put on there and yeah yeah there's that too like Mm. it it, this seems like a really cool collector's item for people who haven't really been keeping up with current consoles like you know go and spend a 100 bucks and you can play all the nes or all the snes games that you remember as a kid then you've sort of stopped playing games in the meantime but i know for me i would just honestly prefer to play it on a virtual console yeah, um... I think, yeah, oh, go. No, so, I, I mean, I reckon, like, we're going to get virtual console anyhow, though, right? Like, it's going to... That's going to come around eventually on the, on the oh Switch. Oh, my God, imagine if they didn't. And yeah, that, that has me a little bit worried. They can coexist, is what I'm saying. Like, I don't yeah, think it has to be no, one they, or the other. 
they definitely can. And I, I do feel like the Minion S is, like, the breadth of those customers. Like, if you go onto, like, an e- the EB Games Australia Facebook page and you just look at all the complaints about the Minion S, it's coming from, like, people who are just so different to people who would play games, like us, I guess. Mm. Um, I do feel like the uh, the audiences and the demographics and stuff, the crossover is probably... There is some crossover, but not heaps. Um People who just liked simpler games, you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, yeah. I just feel like, like with SNES, like SNES is more interesting to me infinitely than SNES. Like I, I think NES is a little bit like too on the nose now, like too not on the nose, but just too old. Um, but with SNES, like still pretty good. But like, like Stephen said, like, do I really want like another HDMI port taken up by a console <laughs> that I'm not going to use that often on my TV? You mm. know? Mm. I think like I'm particularly excited about this because I, I, I did get a NES Mini um, and uh, and the reason for that is like this this console came out before I was born um, I never had the opportunity to play most of these games that's um, so weird yeah. <laughs> but, talking with us but, oldies yeah. <laughs> um, but like now I can and with the sort of controller or more or less the sort of like a, a replica of the controller that it was intended to be played with um so i feel like i'm just kind of getting a more authentic experience with this than i would if i was playing on virtual console um which is kind of what i want as like part of my gaming sort of education um so i think for like people like me that kind of want to go back like that way um i think it is quite a unique experience uh that is very hard to get otherwise um i totally think find um, the nest like did you did you play much NES games? I think, wow, this has aged really well. Uh, yes and no. There were like Excite Bike, uh, Excite Bike, not aged well at all. Like I can't no. imagine ever playing that for more than like five minutes. I don't think I did. Um, but uh, you know, like the Mario games, obviously, uh, stay, yeah. keep up very well. I think Metroid does too. Uh, even the sort of like original sort of Zelda games as well. I think like they they hold up pretty well. Um, is it Zelda 1 and 2 on the Mini NES? Yes, I think so, yeah. Have you tried Zelda 2? Uh, I've not yet, no. I've, oh, okay, I've, that's going to be well, fun. Not, like, not more than, than like, don't, jumping in and seeing what it looks like. Um, although yeah, I have seen, so like, strange. people speedrun yeah. it and stuff. Um, so I can't imagine I'm going to play it without the help of a guide. Uh, but yeah, Even, I'm, like, I'm excited Even, like, saves is, is a godsend, I would say. Yeah, and that's, that is the other thing. Like, having save states is also... For someone that is also, like, pushed for time and has got a myriad of games they want to play, like, save states is really, really useful, too. Um, I was using them quite frequently in Metroid as well, i got to admit. Um, but yeah, like, that's, mm-hmm. that's what excites me about, like, these, these uh, sort of classic consoles being re-released. I just, it just feels like more of an authentic way for me to experience these games. That being said, I that must be like a pretty small market of people out there like me that want to want to do that so um, I everyone who's your age who plays games like there's i'm sure there's a lot of people who are like that yeah I, I don't know if there's that many people that want to go back though and like play play those early games that they didn't i think like most people are pretty comfortable playing the games that are released now yeah i guess i see what you mean but uh, like retro's cool again yeah, that's true, that's true. Yeah. Um, and I think, like, you alluded to this before earlier, James, is that there seems to be, like, a number of people that maybe have fallen out of games, but they see something like this coming out with all the games that they sort of played as a child and then sort of go, oh, well, that'd be great. I'll, I'll get that. That's only 100 bucks. I can uh, I can do that. I won't spend, like, $500 on a PlayStation. I'll just get these games that yeah. I can sort of play with my mates again. Um, and I think the, just, that it serves yeah. a market like that is quite cool. They may not necessarily want to get a Switch so that they can then get virtual console games down the line, but if they can just spend like a hundred bucks and have like those thirty games that they particularly liked, um, I think that's quite neat. Just so many amazing games on SNES as well. Like, yeah. Well, which ones I would just, you like to see on there? 
Like, Super Metroid is a must. Oh, of course. <laughs> Even though I've finished it properly recently, and I think it's a bit overrated, but it's good. Um, and the Donkey Kong Country games, all amazing, although I wouldn't be surprised if they only included, like, one of them on there. Um, mm-hmm. I can't even think of much more. Was the it RPGs, Chrono Trigger that came out? I was going to say, the RPGs are very popular, but I don't really care that much for them. But, right. yeah, Chrono Trigger, I think, and Secret of Mana are the two big ones for SNES. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if they can get Square Enix on board to bring those games to the mini Super Nintendo, that would be amazing. Yeah. I mean, that could be hard, though. But, like, those are, like, two particular games that I constantly hear thrown around as some of the, one of the, some of the best games ever released. So I'd be particularly keen to try those out. Yeah, I mean, Street Fighter 2, I can see has been on there. But there's just so many ways you can play Street Fighter 2 now, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah. That's exactly why. Capcom will port it to that, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fill, that, fill one of those spots. One yeah. thing that you can't get on Virtual Console is, for wh- whatever reason, you can't get the original Yoshi's Island on Virtual Console anywhere. Uh, and really? if they got that That's on this weird. system, that would be you know, that would be enough to sell it to me, I reckon. Hmm. Like, and I can see the moment, there being like uh, a link to the past, right? And oh, Super oh, Mario yes, Kart, yeah, like well, the, how did I forget the about that? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I mean, for me, few, I, I think, think this... um, like the the Mega Man X games. If Capcom comes on board, like mm-hmm. they were sort of, I played the Mega Man X games ages ago as a kid, and I'd be all about jumping back in. And then there were the Kirby games on the Super Nintendo as well, which was sort of fairly, at least uh, like Dreamland Four was a late game on the Super NES, and it was really impressive visually, and it had amazing audio compared to some of the earlier games. That would be mm. you know, awesome. Star Fox. I think. Oh yeah, that's an idea. I think there's mm. like there's a fair few in this roster that kind of excite me. So I'm SNES, keen to like, SNES see games. There's just so many good games on SNES. Like it would be really hard, I reckon, for them to do just thirty games. But mm. I'm sure like they will work it out. Maybe but, there'll be yeah. some secret hack that lets us get sixty again, something like that. Imagine like Super Mario RPG would be amazing. Oh like, man, you know, it's, pop- it's quite hideous now, but it, it's yeah, it's one of those games that a lot of people wouldn't have played. So you know. Once again, that's a square thing, though. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, we'll keep it used to the ground, won't we? Hopefully, uh, we'll hear more about it soon. Uh, and with that, let's bring an end to what was episode 97 of The Startcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes and any other podcast service of your choice. Just search The Startcast. You can follow Press Start on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at pressstartau. Visit the site at pressstart.com.au and join the conversation using the hashtag, hashtag The Startcast. I've been your host, Ewan. You can follow me on Twitter at Ewan underscore Roxborough. Joining us today was Stephen... Hey, I'm at Stephen Impson on Twitter, um, and I've got some reviews coming up. I don't know if I'm allowed to say what it is. Um, oh, yeah. here you are. Oh, you I are. am. Juicy okay. embargoes. Oh, okay. It's it's Puyo Puyo Tetris, and oh, I can't right. say if I like it, but I've got a review coming soon. You're playing that on the Switch? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Excited to see what you say, uh, you say about that. Uh, also joined today by James. Yes, um, so my Twitter is, um, it's at, and then A-T-J-A-M-Z, so like jams, it's just, you know, a thing. It's a you very meta-like meta. Twitter username, <laughs> but, you know, that's You got anything me. in the pipeline at the moment, anything you're working on, you want to tease um, us? Just Voodoo Vince remastered, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a bit of, you know, I just spent, played a lot of games, so I guess I'm taking it easy <laughs> at the moment, with, yeah. you know... Must be a good, good palate old... cleanser after 100 hours of Persona. Good old Vince. Yeah, it's definitely good. It's the, the the graphics are just as good as Persona and the voice work is just as good too. Um I've been having that, a bit of sorry, go on. There there is more, but like I don't know, there's it's like all lot like far away, street dated not street dated, oh my god. Like embargoed kind of stuff. So Sure, sure. Ooh, yeah. Okay. Lots behind behind the uh the curtain still to yes, be revealed. Very exciting, very exciting. Well, thanks for tuning in. Until next time, happy gaming.
See ya. Bye. <laughs> Steve, Stephen remembered what to do. Thank you, Stephen. <laughs> oh, <was that>? oh, yeah. <laughs>